The move to green energy has come to the farm, but what are the implications? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. Editors get story ideas when questions arise about specific practices or issues. For Ginger Rousey, Delta Farm Press, she had questions about how solar power impacts farmers, so she turned to some farmers to get answers. Turns out installation of solar power on farmland is raising a host of issues for farmers and rural communities. In our discussion, Rousey digs in on the growth of the industry, driven by the Biden administration to push green power forward. But covering farmland with solar panels isn't so popular in the country, as she found out after her story was published. She shares some of the key issues involved during our discussion. It's a wide-ranging talk about what is becoming a contentious issue in the country. Well, Ginger Rousey, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Hey, Billy, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, you, you covered something, in, I think, of interest, and I think more of our editors around Farm Progress are looking at this, and, and that's solar power and the opportunities for farmers in that regard. You recently did a story on that. Well, you want to tell me about that first? Sure. Um, something that's interested me, and there is a very large um, solar farm proposed that's that's near me, 4,000 acres. And I found some farmers who have, um, you know, agreed to lease about 100 acres of their farm. And my thought is, I would like to hear from the farmer, from their point of view, why they chose to do this. Um, and, then, and then what are the, going to be the ramifications? And just talking to these farmers... One thing was they were they were kind of uh, forced into this because they were already losing 400 acres um, around them. Uh, their neighbors that they had rented uh, neighbors had had already leased to this solar farm, this this company, and they had about 100 acres that were landlocked. So part of it is what what else can we do? But an, but another big part of this is is they're dealing with like every other farmer in this country labor issues uncertainty about about the future and and their thought was you know with, with we can make the same money you know not have to have as many people farm less acres then why wouldn't we do this and and preserve something for for the next generation so that was sort of their thought um and the more you get into it you realize just i mean when you think about the solar um the, the acres that we're going to need devoted to solar farms to meet these um objectives of the Biden administration and TVA has announced they want to add 10,000 megawatts of solar power uh, within the next decade. I mean, it's it was pretty dramatic when you realize how how many acres are, are, are going to be needed in the next few years. It's also isn't it also a concern, though, that solar power doesn't raise food? Exactly. Yes. And that is, and that, that is a big concern. And even the farmers that I spoke with, they're very conflicted about this. Uh, I think, uh, you know, taking this productive farmland out of production, uh, how much more? I mean, at some point you're going to reach a tipping point, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that was a concern for them. And that's a concern for a lot of other farmers, too. And and solar farms are a very divisive issue. Um, It brings up issues of property rights. Uh, you know, how effective is green energy anyway in natural space and then, you know, eventually food production and um, heard from a lot of a lot of farmers who were very against this um, for several reasons. But most notably, it's just that the 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 solar companies come in 
and really price these rented farm acres, they price them out of the reach for a lot of producers in our area. There are other things that price land out of reach for young farmers as well. You know, as you know, with CRP and now you bring in solar, you mentioned that the, if a guy could rent a hundred acres and make as much money, obviously there's no inputs, there's no time on that ground. Are they getting that kind of profit on that ground? Uh, of course, all of the, um, all of the leases are confidential, so they cannot tell me the amount, but you, you, you kind of do your research. And I know University of Kentucky put something out and they're estimating, um, land leases going anywhere from 400 to $1,200 an acre for these solar farms. Um, land rents currently in, in our area may be ranging from 100 to $200 an acre. You know, as a landowner, uh, that, that's, that's a pretty hard offer to turn down. Um, what was the other part of that question? I'm sorry. Well, no, you're fine. I mean, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like that not only aces out someone trying to rent that ground to raise food on it, but also aces out land that might be available to a young farmer that wants to get started. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's another thing. I mean, these leases are 30 years. And I mean, there a lot of these companies, they have the, the option to extend that lease, you know, after the 30 years. But even if you're thinking we're going to keep this in the family and then the next generation can farm it, you know, there's some generational knowledge that's lost if you go 30 years without really being involved in production agriculture. I mean, that's assuming you take all of your land and, and put it in that. But, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of concerns about what's going to happen uh, 30 years down the road for this. And a big thing that and I think no one really knows is is what's going to happen to all of these um just the, the materials that those panels themselves, because about 75 percent of all of our U.S. installed solar projects are less than 10 years old. So in the next, you know, 20, 10, 15 to 20 years, we're going to be finding out what happens to this, all that material. Uh, North Carolina, uh, their Department of Environmental Quality estimated that there's going to be as much as 100,000 tons of materials that are going to need to be removed within the next 10 years in their state. It's going to be massive. And uh, the, the cleanup and restoration is another big part and something that uh, producers really need to be sure they have in their contract if they do sign a solar lease, um, because you don't want to be left with all that mess to clean up. And a lot of states uh, don't have any laws that you know mandate any type of bond. I know my state, Tennessee, just this year passed a law that requires solar companies to provide some sort of bond for cleanup at the end of the lease. Uh, but they're one of maybe a handful of states that have that on the books. Yeah, this is this sounds like mining. And I don't want to badmouth the solar industry. I see where they're going. They, I see the opportunity and the green energy does make a difference with um, our issues with climate change, regardless of what you believe. I think the big deal is that there's a good press here. We're also learning we can raise livestock under these uh, systems if they're raised high enough. So That's I true. think we'll be modifying these if we get to that. Um, but one, the ones I see, you wouldn't put a cow in it. I can tell you right now, we've right. got one near my house and they're too low to the ground. And that was my question. What's left after 30 years and what are you responsible for cleaning up? That's a lot of steel, photovoltaic cells. The only interesting side of this too is, and I know TVA is committed to 10,000 whatever megawatts or whatever that is the the technology keeps evolving and changing that means that the same acre could produce more power as the cells get better so if there's a a, a replacement plan 
by the power company, which there may be because they may not be able to get all the land they want. And we're going to see how that evolves. I think that we're still in the nascent age of solar power and the farmers that are taking these deals. I don't want to be negative to them. Money's mm-hmm. money and we have to we have to feed our families. Uh, but I think there are bigger concerns that I think that farm groups are raising. And uh, like you said, here's the guy that's got 100 acres. He's kind of like, I got no choice. Everything around it's going to have cells. I might as well put them on there. Mm-hmm. It's a challenging yeah. issue. It, it is. And, and, and there are so many unknowns. We really don't know how this is all going to shake out uh, 30 years down the road. And, you know, what sort of impact and, and, and I've looked and, you know, there, there have not been a lot of studies about what happens in a rural community when farmland is taken out of production and all of those agricultural businesses that support farming, what happens to them? There hasn't been that economic analysis done that I can find. I mean, like the ag retail equipment, mm-hmm. managers, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, all, everything you read is, ah, oh, it's going to pump this money into these rural communities. But I, I don't know that we're looking at it. And of course, this, this is still a small percentage of farmland. But w- when you hear of these big acres, 4,000 acres here and 4,000 acres here, it, it's it's scary. It's a scary a little bit. And I think that's a lot of the reason why farmers have trouble with it. Well, and I, and I think that, you know, I guess the, the tips for a farmer that is looking at this situation is to ask these questions. One, what's the bond at the end of the life of the lease for removing the material? Yes. That should be, what is that? Two, what is the payment plan and what happens if the company goes bankrupt? What are your protections, right? Three, what kind of ground can you put this on? Is there pasture land that you don't really crop and you don't want to raise cattle anymore that's better for this than productive row crop land? You know, yeah. it's, those are if you can make that choice, that's going to be a better, I think that's going to be better optics for agriculture. That's just me talking. And, right. then, and then four, Talk to other farmers that have done the deal with the company to get a sense of what they can share, despite the non-disclosure agreements, so that you are comfortable entering the agreement. I know that all sounds like common sense, but just the bonding question alone is significant because you may be buying a debt for your grandchildren you don't even know you're doing. Because I'm sorry, 30 years from now, if I've got a, a thousand acres of solar panels to get rid of and I'm responsible for getting rid of them before I can farm it again, that's a huge cost. Absolutely. And then also, I mean, th- those the $1,200 an acre sounds great today, but we're talking decades down the road. So so farmers, if they are going to do this, be, need to be sure to negotiate some rent increases. Um, and then property taxes are another big issue, because once you take that land out of production, there are going to be some major uh, tax implications there because you're going to lose that. Uh, the You know, it, it's going to go up basically, um, when you take that out of agricultural production. So, you know, that was the advice that I heard from farmers who have done this is be sure that the company is paying the taxes because that's going to be another big bill for you. Yeah, you can lose a farm over taxes that aren't paid. We all know that it's been done. But that's a good question because it's not farmland anymore. And farmland gets special exclusion in a lot of states from property taxes. Right. And if it's a solar power plant, not going to happen. And so that's fair. It's just very interesting how this unfolds. You said you got a lot of comments. Um, anything that stood out for you besides a bonding question? The comments have been, um, you know, I guess the theme would be, how dare you? <laughs> you know, that people do not like this story because they don't even want to hear about solar panels and, and anything that, that shows the, maybe a positive side of it. Um, th- those are sort of the comments that I received. And mm. uh, 
get that. I get. I mean, I get, if you're if you're a farmer that's renting acres and you lose ground, that can be devastating for you because farming's a game of scale. If you lose half the acres you're farming, how are you going to afford this big equipment? Uh, you know, and, and and everything. So I understand that. I understand that. And of course, there's this side of property owner rights, and and you know, so the, the, these are these two arguments that are kind of conflicting. But I, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of questions about this, but a lot of animosity. And 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 Willie, I think maybe some of it too is just people don't like the way it looks. And these are not maybe farmers, but just people who live in rural communities. They don't want to go for a Sunday drive and look over and see, you know, a thousand panels. You know, they want to see a pretty field of cotton. And, yeah. and uh, that I think that's where a lot of a lot of the animosity comes in, too. But I know, it, at least in my part of the world, a lot of these county commissions have been kind of or in local governments have been caught flat footed because we've just sort of been bombarded in the last couple of years with this. And I know there's been a big push to change laws, a moratorium on solar panels, that sort of thing. So uh, I think they're making it harder for these companies to come in. But uh, I know landowners are getting offers from these companies weekly, if not daily, to put stuff like this in around here. They they want flat land that's large scale, close to some sort of substation or transmission lines. I mean, basically, they're looking for productive farmland. That, that's what they want. That's that's what makes it good for them. And, uh, you know, I get this question, too, that why, why can't we just put these on houses and rooftops and that sort of thing? And uh, talking with solar companies, I sort of get that it's the same reason, you know, we don't plant cotton in our backyard garden patch. You know, solar is a industry of scale, too. They want these big, large utility scale farms where they can create mega power. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, if you do the, like you say, the urban solar power where mm-hmm. you're putting it on buildings, you're dealing with 20 owners and this exactly. way you may be dealing with three owners and I get that or three landlords. You brought up a very interesting point and it's something that I think bears further um, watching because it's obviously no research yet, but this has a significant impact on the rural community. If I'm not buying fuel and fertilizer for that thousand acres, um, that retailer, that local restaurant, um, the labor's not going to be there. You know what I'm talking about. All those things Definitely. kind of keep chipping away at the rural community. Again, I'm not against or for solar power. Those of you listening that are against solar power, uh, keep up the fight if that's what you feel. And those that are for solar power, make the deals. You know, you brought up the question of aesthetics. Obviously, the windmill issue has also been a big deal. Uh, where I live in Minnesota, we have a lot of them. Um, there are people that hate them. Uh, but then there are farmers that I've worked with in northern Illinois that, you know, rent their land to the, the, the for the windmill and they're happy to get the cash. So and they don't lose that much productive farmland. That is the difference between a windmill and a solar farm. A, a windmill takes a piece of a, a piece of ground. But the, but solar does take up area. And that's a significant issue. The, uh, the the solar farm that's going in um, here in southwest Tennessee, 4,000 acres total, but only 1,500 are going to be actually covered in panels uh, because of county commission regulations. So they've they've got setback areas and buffers. Hopefully you're not going to be able to see that mm-hmm. from the road. Um, and then that's another issue, too, with with the solar leases is, you know, you may lease 100 acres, but they only are putting panels on 60 of those acres. So understand what you're getting paid for, because you may only getting be getting paid for 60 acres as opposed to 100. And that can obviously change your 
profitability too. But yeah, like you said, I'm not for solar panels either. And I think, you know, some of our readers are afraid we we're promoting solar energy. We're not promoting it, but it is an issue that's that's affecting farmers right now. And I think it's good to talk about it. Well, and I think you you went to the farmers, you went to the people that are making that decision and telling the story. Our job is to report on this and help mm-hmm. other farmers understand what's going on when they drive by and see a neighbor or learn that they've lost a piece of ground to a solar a deal, um, what's happening in the countryside. And that's our job. Whether you like the story or not, I can't help you. If you don't like the topic, um, don't read it, I guess. But the short answer is we're supposed to cover this and we need to let people know what the issues are. And like I said, there are four or five tips for that farmer that's thinking of making the deal. And then there are bigger implications for those county commissioners that may be caught flat footed to discuss what this might mean to your rural communities and how you work together cooperatively to solve the issues and not block this because it's going to happen. We just have to figure out how to do it the right way. Right. Exactly right. And and I think as as we move into this and hopefully more more university extensions are, are, are researching this and providing some economic data, I think we'll be better prepared. But it, it's just that this is so new and has really caught some people off guard. Right. And it's happening across the country. I know oh, our colleague Tom Beckman in Indiana has been looking at this as well. Um, the flip side of this is we're looking at the EV market and what does electric vehicles mean or what might the future of electric tractors mean? I mean, electric equipment means you need electricity. And so what what all this comes down to is where's the power coming from if we can't fire up a coal plant? Yes. And we can't. So that's a big issue. Well, Ginger Rousey, I appreciate your time. It's a fa- I'm sure it's fa- it was a fascinating story to do, and I'm sure you've really enjoyed the comments that you've received. And for readers of Farm Press and Any Farm Progress, we appreciate your feedback. We appreciate you reading us, and thank you for that as well. And you, uh, thank you, Ginger, for your story. Thank you. There you have it. Solar power isn't an easy answer to future energy questions, especially if you're covering farmland. As journalists, we strive to be objective and share the whole story, which we've done here. But as you heard, readers sometimes don't want us covering topics they have issues with. Solar power is going to raise more questions in the future, and thanks to Ginger Rousey for her coverage. One thing she notes when she mentioned the 100 acres rented may only have 60 acres covered with panels, it does raise another question. The 40 acres left vacant needs to be tended with noxious weeds controlled. Farmers making these deals might want to take that into consideration as well. As we noted in our conversation, it's a complicated topic. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and more. And if you have a smart speaker, all you have to do is tell it to listen to Around Farm Progress and you'll hear the latest episode. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer, and Feedstuffs. And of course, our events, including the Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, and the New York Farm Show. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.